Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to the Wesley Memorial Church podcast. This is Pastor Clark here. Just want to say thank you for tuning in and listening. We're beginning an exciting new Advent sermon series called Advent Between Two Worlds. And you're going to hear a sermon that we did just this past Sunday on that and how we can look at Christ's birth and Christ's future coming. And in between those two stories, how we find ourselves in this glorious story of God during this Advent season. We also invite any of you to join us for worship, either online or in person at 8.30 and 11 traditional in our sanctuary or 9.45 in contemporary in our dining hall. You can go to our website, wesleymemorial.org to learn more. Thanks again for listening. God bless each of you. And we hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Our text for the first Sunday in Advent comes from Mark chapter 13. Jesus is speaking, and he says this, beginning at verse 24 of chapter 13. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken." Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, You know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation or this evil age will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, Jesus says, will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware. Keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. We Christians keep our own calendar. It is a way of reminding ourselves that we are in the world, but we are definitely not of the world. We keep time differently. Our calendar is focused on Jesus Christ rather than civic holidays. Today is the first Sunday in Advent. Today is the beginning of the Christian year. Today we begin to look at the life of Jesus as we go through the upcoming year. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, and it means coming or arrival. And during the four Sundays of Advent that leads us up to Christmas, we spend time looking at at least three different arrivals that Jesus is offering. 
The first arrival that captures our attention during these days is the nativity of Jesus there in Bethlehem when God took flesh and came and dwelt among us. But then there's a second arrival that captures our attention. It is when Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, arrives in our lives and takes up residency in our hearts. But we also spend time during the season of Advent looking at the third arrival, what the church has called the second coming, the second Advent. Our text this morning in the Gospel of Mark is a traditional text for the Advent season, and it is a text that talks about the second coming of Jesus. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus is actually speaking of two events. One of the events that takes up most of the beginning verses of chapter 13 up through verse 23 refers to an event from which people might be able to escape. And most of us assume in these opening verses of chapter 13, Jesus is talking about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem at the hands of the Romans that occurred in 70 AD. But then beginning in verse 24, which is where our text for the morning began, Jesus changes his tone and he begins talking about something different. He begins talking about an event from which people cannot escape. In verse 24, he begins talking about the second coming of Jesus into human history. And in the text I read a few moments ago, he teaches us that there will be signs that will precede his second coming. You notice he used the example of the fig tree, and he said to his hearers on this day that just as the fig tree lets you know that summer is about to arrive, there will be signs of his coming. And we know about some of the signs that will precede the second coming of Christ. There will be a worldwide spread of the gospel. I believe there'll be worldwide revival in many places. I believe there'll be a regathering of Israel. And we also believe there'll be an increase in evil that will precede the second coming of Jesus. But as Jesus said here in this text, there was a caveat. As he talks about these signs, that there will be signs of his return, we as the followers of Jesus Christ should never be preoccupied with the signs. We should be ready. We should be prepared. We should always be awake. The second coming of Jesus Christ is a core doctrine of the Christian faith. I'd like to offer you four summary statements this morning about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Number one is this, he is coming again. It will be a personal return of Jesus Christ to this earth so that Jesus Christ can finish all of his work of redemption. We have been told that in the Bible there are over 800 references to the second coming of Christ. I have not counted, 
but I know that there are many, many, many references to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the scriptures, particularly in the New Testament. Obviously, the early Christian community was an apocalyptic community that was looking for the end of history, that was looking for Jesus' return. The Apostles' Creed, one of the historic statements of the faith, tells us that he will come again to judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. Article number three of the Methodist Articles of Religion tells us that Jesus will return to judge all people at the last day. So it is a core Christian doctrine that Jesus Christ will return. Secondly, as a way of summarizing the core doctrine of the second coming, let me say there will be signs preceding the second coming of Christ. I've already mentioned that. Again, remember what Jesus said in this text about the fig tree. Just as the fig tree lets you know that summer is about to arrive, there will be signs of Jesus' return. Again, worldwide spread of the gospel, worldwide revival, regathering of Israel, an increase in evil that will confront the great worldwide spread of the gospel. So we know that there will be signs preceding the second coming of Jesus. But thirdly, to get back to what Jesus was teaching here in Mark 13, we should never be preoccupied with the signs of his return. According to Jesus here in Mark chapter 13, he during his earthly ministry as the Son of Man did not even know when this time would come. So it's rather presumptuous of us to think that we somehow can predict with accuracy when the end will occur, that we can even predict with accuracy the season of his return. We will never be sure enough from our observing of the signs to predict when Jesus Christ will return. So we need to make sure that we are always ready, but we can pay attention to the signs, just not become preoccupied with the signs. Tony Campola, a famous preacher of recent history, used to say when people were bombarding him with questions about the return of Christ to history, that he, he was on the welcoming committee, not the program committee. And I feel the same way. I want to be on the welcoming committee, not the program committee. We will never be able to say completely everything that could be said about the return of Christ. We know more than we need to know to be ready, but it still will be an event that will be draped in great mystery. And we also, as we think about the signs that will precede the coming of Jesus Christ back into history, can say that there have already been enough signs of his return for him to return at any moment. So again, we should just be ready. We should be prepared. The season of Advent is a season where we focus on preparation. So fourthly, let me say that we should be preoccupied, not with observing the signs, 
but with being awake, being alert, not being asleep here at this point in history or as we do the Lord's work in the world. Three times in five verses at the end of our text for this morning, Jesus says, be awake, be alert, be awake. During this strange, strange age of COVID, when I get rather tired of all the, the bad news that comes at us through the media, I escape to Mayberry. I've always been a big fan of the Andy Griffith show, and I love to escape to Mayberry. It just changes my mood sometimes when I'm watching that old, old situation comedy. And in several of the episodes of the Andy Griffith show, we see Andy's bungling deputy, Barney Fife, asleep in the back room at the courthouse. And Andy would come in, and he would know that Barney would be asleep back there in the back room of the courthouse. And I don't think it really bothered Andy that Barney was sleeping. So he would make some noise because I think he always found it rather humorous the way that Barney would wake up and, and be embarrassed that he was sleeping back there in the back room. And he would try to act as if he had not been sleeping. But Andy didn't seem to really matter, but Barney seemed to really be concerned that he was caught asleep on the job what does it mean to be awake as Jesus is speaking here in Mark 13? He's telling us to be on the job. Wake up, Barney, be on the job. He's telling us to be alert. He's telling us to not be distracted from the job at hand as Christ's followers as the people of Jesus Christ, doing the work of Jesus Christ through the Spirit of Jesus Christ in this age. So to be awake as we await the coming of Jesus means to be about the job. In 1985, there was a, a book that was produced that became um, quite a topic of conversation. It was a book written by Neil Postman, who was an educator and a cultural critic, and it was entitled, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he said a lot in that book to call our culture into judgment, to call our culture into judgment for entertaining ourselves to death, amusing ourselves to death, not paying attention to those things which are important for society. In that book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Neil Postman wrote this, when a population becomes distracted by trivia, when cultural life is redefined as a perpetual round of entertainments, when serious public conversation becomes a form of baby talk, then a nation finds itself at risk. Culture death is a near possibility. Hmm. End quote. As Christ followers in this world, in this age, we should be those people who are wide awake to what's going on in the world around us. 
We should be wide awake, paying close attention to what's going on in the world around us, but we should be interpreting everything that we see and hear through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We should be interpreting life around us through what we know about salvation history. Jesus has come in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, there at his nativity about 2,000 years ago. Jesus continues to come to us through the power of his Holy Spirit to take up residency in our hearts, but we are also waiting for Jesus to come again and complete his work of deliverance here in this world. We should be those people who are wide awake. We are paying attention to the main things. We are keeping the main things the main thing. And we should be found on the job doing what Jesus Christ is calling us to do. In the early church, there was an Aramaic phrase that was used in early Christian worship. And we know it was used in early Christian worship, even among the Greek speakers, because this early Christian phrase ends up being recorded in the Greek New Testament. We find it at the end of 1 Corinthians. It's that phrase in Aramaic, Maranatha, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That was a prayer, a consistent constant prayer of the early Christian community, come our Lord. That should be our prayer. We, the people of the Advent, we who know that he came in Bethlehem, he comes daily to us to rule and reign in our lives, and he will one day come again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.